Hello to all of you out there. I am Ulrike Seminati, host of the podcast, Empowering Female Leaders, for women who want to thrive. Every week you will get new perspectives, exciting insights, and empowering messages of women from all over the globe. Welcome to another episode of my podcast, Empowering Female Leaders. I am pleased to welcome today Emma Davis, who is Chief Culture and People Excellence Officer at Masafi LLC. Emma has been credited for retaining a 97% plus employee satisfaction rate by fostering a culture that promotes people and well-being, talent management, and safety of staff members. During her years working in the Middle East, Emma has led companies through several transformations. Emma is the founder of the Evolve People Network, a network created for people professionals in the GCC region. Emma started the network after discovering there were very few safe spaces for people professionals across the region. The network aims to promote mentoring for new people professionals and those with a long career history in the people and culture space. Emma, a very warm welcome to this podcast. I'm very happy to have you here. Would you like to add a few words about yourself? Oh, thank you. It's lovely to be here. I've been in the Middle East 15 years now, my 15th anniversary this year. I was actually working for Network Rail in the UK. I was working in behavioral change and I got headhunted by a UK-based company to come out here. And so I've been here 15 years now. I've worked in three different roles here in the Middle East. And um, yeah, it's it's great. The Evolve People Network is running. We're having a fantastic experience networking with other people, professionals, which before COVID didn't really happen as much as it should have done. So for me, this year is going to be an incredibly exciting year, both at Masafi and with the network. Yeah. And when we have spoken to prepare this interview, you said that you were moving all alone. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> alone? With yes. <laughs> yeah. So when, when I got the call to come to Dubai, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, I, I can do this. I, I'll be very honest. In my naivety of my use, I didn't do much research. I was just like, yeah, I, I can go and do that. I had two children at the time, my boys. They're amazing. They're both incredible humans. Um, and I was just like, right, I'm going to go. And I said to my mum and dad, I'm, I'm going to Dubai. And yeah, I was a single mum with two boys at that point. Um, an incredible journey. You have made a really great career. So many people in the audience think probably, how can I get there? How do I climb up this career ladder? How can I make all these steps? And I know that many of my clients ask themselves as well, how should I be at work to be recognized for my work? Was that ever a question that you asked yourself? Yes, it was. And it's really interesting, actually, because I um, came out here as a communications manager, which is a bit strange because I'm now in HR. I originally started my career. I worked with my mum and dad as their HR manager. I did my career. I did my college education there. And I came out here as internal comms employee engagement side of things. And I did a crash happened and I moved and I looked after learning and development for the business I was in as well. It was a natural progression into L&D with engagement comms. And I, I wanted to get into more generalist HR then. And I remember being told by somebody, do not go into generalist HR. You will lose everything about who you are and how you lead and, and your style if you, if you move into a generalist HR. And at the time, I sort of accepted that. And then I thought, no, hang on a second. What makes me me 
is why I will be good in a, in a people role. So I actually went to a new business, I had to sit back in my career because I had to learn. I had to understand, you know, HR in this region is, is, is very different because we look after end-to-end life cycles for people. We look after family lives. We look after the medical. We look after their schooling, all those kind of things. So it's quite different. And I think what I've done in my career is used my empathy and my passion for people to be the person that I am today, to, to be that leader. And I think if I'd have listened to that advice then, I, I would not be where I am now. And I think that what I would say to anybody is choose your strength and play to those. Don't ever, don't ever kind of think, oh, somebody else does it this way. Don't, don't be other people, be yourself, you know, use your strength. And I have a, a good friend who says, focus on your strengths, actually, not always your weaknesses. But we, we spend a lot of time worrying about our weaknesses. Don't do that. Just embrace our strength and embrace, embrace your strength and use those to lead. And I, I've chosen empathy as my biggest strength. And I use that as a leadership tool here. I believe, too, that this is the absolute key that we need to believe in who we are and in our strengths. But first of all, we need to understand our strengths. That's Absolutely. Right. <laughs> so I think you had, as you say it, you were pretty much aware of the fact that you were more into this empathy piece, into connecting people, that that was your thing and that you can use this in the HR space very well, which is true, obviously, and quite logical, I think, for many who are listening. But it was clear for you. Do you help today people when you see that they struggle with their next career step, that they don't know where to go, or they they just doubt so much that they can do it, whereas everybody else around them completely is clear that they can do it <laughs> um I think I think that's a, a myth isn't it we think everybody else is clear we think everybody else knows where they're going and this social media thing has led us to think gosh this person's amazing they know where they're going they know what they're doing and they know how they're going to get there and I think we all have this limiting self-belief where we go oh how can I get there what can I do I think what I really enjoyed and this week has been actually incredibly special for me because I've managed to do that with four people this week where I've spoken to them talk to them about their careers. They've been kind of a bit unsure. And we've used kind of conversations around vision, goals, and outcomes, what they want to do and how they're going to get there. Because I think unless you've got that clear goal, unless you've got that clear vision, you don't know. And I, I think a, a fabulous tool that I was taught by somebody was go out and speak to five of your friends, colleagues, people around you, and ask them what what they the first thing that comes into their mind when they think of you. And I was astounded when I did this and I, and I kept this document and I go back and I read it. And somebody said to me, you are a problem solver. You are so solution driven. You, anybody gives you anything or they tell you they're struggling with something, you always make the time to go and find the answer or, or help them or give them guidance. And that's what I really, really enjoy doing. And I'd say to anybody, if you aren't sure about what your strengths are and you're struggling to find out ask the people around you, use that tool. So just, you know, and it can be colleagues, it can be peers, it can be family, it can be friends, it can be people you've worked with, people you may have coached or people you don't realize how much of an impact you've had on their life. But use a tool like that because it opens up your mind to what other people see you as rather than any limiting beliefs you might have about yourself. Yeah, that's true. What I always say to my clients is that whatever they tell you, believe it. Yes, yes. People aren't going to lie to you about what it is you do. And it's always the first thing. It's like, well, you do this and you do this and you go, wow. And it's a really good piece of information to be able to reflect on when you're having one of those days and you're like, what am I doing? How am I, how am I going to fix these problems? That's, that's the reference I revert back to. 
Yeah, I see in my own career, when I look back at my corporate career, that people years after I quit a job and when I met them again, years after, they were telling me incredible things about me, which they have yeah. never told me while I was in that role. <laughs> no, not while you weren't there, they don't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, and I also never asked. I never asked because I was afraid of, of receiving negative, let's say, feedback or critical feedback. And I was afraid that I can't handle that. But it's really incredible. Years after that, I got feedback about myself during the past years where I thought if I had known, <laughs> I would have felt much better about myself. And even if I was successful, I would have certainly, I don't know, created something additional, not yeah. only for me, but also for others. So the non, this non-feedback culture that we kind of cultivate often ourselves because we are afraid of hearing something that we do not like is actually avoiding so many pleasant moments in our life. And and I don't think we naturally tell people either. I think we think, oh, I'm afraid to tell, you know, I'm afraid to say that, especially if people haven't asked. And I know uh, today I met a peer from the network who inspires me all the time. And I actually said to him, you know, actually, do you know what you did for me in the early part of my career? And he was like, I, did, I would never have thought of that. That didn't even enter my head. And the power of that feedback is incredible. And I think that... It, it is scary and you do worry about, you know, oh gosh, what are people going to say about me? Are they going to give me something negative? If they do use that too, take that as it's meant and look at it. I, I used to get really offended by negative feedback. I, used to, I wasn't really good at taking it. And I think that's something that I've grown in my career as well, is trying to understand what made that person, because it may have been a specific situation or something, but how can I use that feedback to challenge and change myself? And in some cases, do I need to? Because I think we have to also position that quite well. You know, do I need to work on this? Or was that caused by something that I don't need to have an impact? I don't need to change. That's something I've been learning over the past two years as well. Yeah, I think we need to build a healthy picture of ourselves and, and somehow uncover these blind spots that we have where we are not aware. And very often these are very positive things. So people are always being afraid of uncovering something negative, but actually we have so many positive things we are not aware of, especially when we are very self-critical, especially when we have high expectations towards ourselves. And what I see often is this hesitation that Women especially do not step up into the next role or are hesitating or postponing because they think they need to have additional competencies or qualifications to be absolutely rock solid. Absolutely. It, and there's, there's research on this, isn't there? I mean, I was, I was speaking to somebody this week, and they said, but I need X, Y, and Z to apply for that job. I was like, no, you don't. Apply for that job. Apply for that job. Don't don't even read that job description. Um, don't Don't even look at that part of the job description. It's so irrelevant to that role. And they did, and um, it was successful. So I think that I think we have this where we think, "Oh, I'm not good enough. I'm not got. I've not got that. I've not got X. I've not got Y." I mean, people said to me when I came here at Masafi, people were like, "You've got no FMCG experience," and nobody gets into FMCG when you know it's always your first job, and then you stay in FMCG. And I sort of said, "Hang on a second. Why do I need FMCG experience to be in my role? What I need to deliver what you want me to deliver is empathy." how to transform a culture, how to look at behaviors, how to bring people together, how to get people to work together successfully and how to make a successful business. And it, we've been on a journey and it's been, a, it's, it's, it's been an incredible journey when I look back now. I, I, it's incredible. But when you look at our business and what we achieved in 2022 with employee satisfaction, not only was it employee satisfaction, it was our sales increase. 
our behaviors. And so you can, we can correlate the two now. And before there, were no, there was no evidence of that within our business. But again, it's, it's a limiting belief. Well, if I had have believed what everybody told me, I wouldn't have got this job. Oh, no industry experience. I said, but we ignore that. I don't want that industry experience. I want outside. I want to let the world is open now. We should be thinking outside the box on these things. That comes back what you said earlier when you say, just focus on your strengths. Are your strengths the one core thing that helps you to make this job and to enjoy this job as well? And if, if the answer is yes, then fine and forget about all the other little bullet points in the job description where you think, oh, it's not perfect, it's not enough, I've never done this maybe, there's maybe a real gap. Like you say, the industry might be something where you've where I've never been. Yeah. And yeah, we, we miss out on opportunities because we just want to tick all the boxes be before we make the leap. And that, yeah, like I said, there's research that why women do that and men actually don't. It, it's actually a thing that we we will go, I'm not going to apply for that job, whereas a man will actually go, I can do this. And I think that the more as we all start to talk and say, I can do this and I will do this and change our wording. I had, um, I had a coach previously and she said, you start every sentence with, I don't want. You never, ever say what I want. And for me, that was a massive mindset shift to say, actually, this is what I want and this is what I'm going to do and this is how I'm going to make it happen. And I think that's changing our words and changing our beliefs. Are, it's not easy because it's, it's time, it's habit creation, but those are the things that we can do. And that's how, how I'm seeing so many women at the moment who are just empowered and shouting about their successes because I think that's critical. And I think you, you see that much more often in the Middle East, uh, at least in the Emirates, that people are much more outspoken on their achievements because achievements and performance and success are valued. I see in Europe, it depends on the country, but in some countries, in France, it's nearly a crime to be successful. Wow. Gosh, I <laughs> so didn't know that. Yeah, I mean... And you need, nearly need to be ashamed if it's too much, you know, and especially as a woman as well, sometimes I think oh, it's just, it, it's totally missing and people and women especially shy away from promoting themselves for that reason. And I think that's a totally missed opportunity, like, like you said before. And by the way, what you said before, it's just on a side note, our brain doesn't understand negation. So if we say, I don't want that, our brain thinks, oh, she wants that. Yeah. It's absolutely driving me to that place. And I didn't realize, and I've, um, I've taken to, <laughs> um, I've come off social media and I've come off social media because, and this kind of was the point was, what does success like, success look like? So success for me means something different to what success means for you. And I was on social media and I was looking, looking at all these people going, gosh, they're hugely successful because of X, Y, Z, but it was my brain interpreting that as success. Whereas actually success looks really different for me right now, what I want. And I think that one of the things I've learned, and it's crazy, and I can't believe I've only just learned this, but about journaling and what I'm grateful for every day and actually what I want from each day and what I'm expecting to achieve every day has completely changed my mindset. You know, I'm not looking at other people now going, oh, I should have that, or I wish I had that. I'm going, this is what I want, and this is how I'm going to get that. And this is what I want to achieve and how I'm going to make it happen. Because ultimately, it all comes down to individuals, doesn't it? I've got to make that happen. So I think that, I think by doing those small things, you can make a shift change in your life. When you talk about like, you know, what we see of other people and, and you know, that focus and celebrating that success, it's, it's just what is an individual. And I think it's a healthy way of comparing yourself to other people, because I always say when it comes to confidence, don't compare yourself to other people, yes. because usually yes. we do that in a very unhealthy way. We think, yeah. like you say, we look at social media, everything's perfect, we are not perfect. That's the conclusion. Yes. <laughs> 
Whereas doing it in a way where you say, I want this, this person has achieved this. How can I learn from that person? How can I learn? Yes. It's, another <laughs> it's incredible, isn't it? Yeah. Let's yeah. 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 speak a little bit about leadership as such, leadership styles, future leadership styles, um, or those who are, well, we think that this is a good future leadership style, because we hear very often that an inclusive leadership style is a leadership style is a good one. I also believe that, obviously. And we also hear very often that women are good in inclusive leadership styles because <laughs> by nature, yeah, they have just yeah. more of the sensitivity that is that is required for that job. You also call it, it's not exactly the same thing, but leadership with empathy, for example. Yep. When you speak about the satisfaction rate in your company, it has certainly a lot to do how your leaders behave. And it has certainly a lot to do that some of them, at least, or maybe many of them, made a shift in their behavior and before of doing that in their mindset, in their way of being, in what they value and which leadership style they value. Do you want to speak a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, says so again, there's so much research you can read. Diverse and inclusive leadership teams have better outcomes as businesses. Everybody knows it, you know. And when I joined here, I was the only woman and now our leadership team is 50%. And we haven't, we didn't do that deliberately though. I want to be really clear on that. It wasn't about filling a quota. It wasn't about, oh, we should have some women. So let's go and do that because that also is not a good way to behave. It was the best person for the job. Irrelevant of anything else. So, and we are proof that that has happened, you know, by having that inclusive leadership by having leadership with empathy our business is a success and we are we are really really proud of that I think that you can you can see other businesses where people are succeeding and you can you can compare yourselves but for me the future of leadership is empathy it is inclusive now when also when I talk about inclusivity for me something that's very important in this region is we have a lot of frontline workers so people who deliver the water, we're obviously a water provider, and people who deliver the water, people who are out on the roads, they're my frontline workers, they're my essential workers. We have to be inclusive. But it's very nice to say, well, let's give everybody in head office a pay rise, or let's do this nice thing for head office. If we are not inclusive across our entire business, if you have got pockets of inclusivity, that is damaging. It has to be for everyone. Not the same thing for everyone, because, you know, it's, and that's one of the brilliant things about being in people and culture in the Middle East. It is so easy to do different things for different people, you know, what different people need. We don't have to have a policy that fits all here because we have a policy. We can look at our policies that go, hang on, for this group of people, this is great. This works for them, you know, longer leave periods, you know, times, things like that, which suit because we're expats and we're away from families. So stuff like that can be created. And it's very fortunate here that we can do those things. I think that the future of leadership has to be leading with empathy, leading with EQ, an open culture of feedback, <laughs> you know, when we said it earlier. And, you know, it's it's learning and different cultures have different styles of feedback. So it's making sure that that's considered when you're working, especially somewhere like the Middle East, where you've got lots and lots of different cultures coming together. Yeah, I think identify your areas within your leadership team where you might not have those things and build on them. Again, can you teach empathy? I don't know. I I would have said no. I think that's something that's ingrained in us. But if you have a diverse leadership team, use people's skills for different things. Hmm. Yeah, I think you can create awareness among people how they lead, because sometimes they lead in a way they don't want to, but they don't. They're not aware. <laughs> they just they don't know. Yeah, absolutely. They don't know. Yeah, yeah. I hear very often. Probably this is why they come to me, because those who don't have that problem won't come. <laughs> I hear often that 
I would love to have that leadership style. And I think I'm a person who has that leadership style. Nonetheless, in my organization, this is not valued. And I, I believe, and maybe that's wrong, I believe that if I continue to have that leadership style, in my next career step, I will either not even get it or when I'm in, I will not stay very long because they will give me a very hard time because it's just not the culture in the company. What do you recommend to people like that? Would you say, go for it? Defend your values, defend and, and live your values because if you live outside of that for a long time, you are going to experience burnout very quickly. It's, it's not even a long period of time because we cannot live outside of our personal values and outside of our natural style for a long period of time. And we, we spend so much time at work. So go for it. Absolutely. And if you can't change that. And so one, one of the things I've always done is found my culture connectors. Uh, so I connect with people who have the same values as me and culture and want the same thing and use those people to raise it up. That's what I've done in businesses where I've had to work on the culture. Um, you find the people, you know who those people are. And you know, don't you? You go into a business, and I'm sure you remember from your corporate days, you go into a business and you can instantly pick who those people are. You can also pick the detractors as well very easily. They're, they're, they identify themselves quite quickly. But use those people. And But if you can't, then it is time for a change and, and go somewhere. But don't compromise. So don't compromise. When you're looking at your next role, and I know money makes the world go round, but if you are looking at a job, and I firmly believe this, culture is priceless. A good leadership team is priceless there's no amount of money that, that people can pay you. You can, you can sell your soul. You can do that for a very short period of time, but it doesn't last. I made that mistake once. I jumped for money a long, long time ago in my career when I was very naive, very young, and it it was the worst thing I could have done. So I've learned that. Now, obviously, I'm in people and culture, and people say to me, oh, well, you're the person doing the pay, so you're going to say that. You're going to say don't jump for money. That's not what I say. If somebody is offered an amazing opportunity, who works in, they work in my business now, they're offered an amazing opportunity outside, I said, go for it. Go for it because that is your life. However, we have had numerous cases of people who come, like I said, well, I'll jump for money, not for culture. And actually, I underestimated the value of the team at Masafi, of the people around me. You know, those small things, they are priceless. And I think that don't compromise on those things. If you're looking for your next career move, you can compromise on cash for a short period of time. You know, you, everybody knows what that looks like. You can compromise on your job title. It's really, it's, it's not really that it shouldn't define us. I don't, we don't go out for dinner and say, what's your job title? Um, but if you don't compromise on the company and the culture, because it's, you can make a true difference to people. If you, if you can change it, if you, if you, if there's desire to change it, if there isn't, then you can't go and find somewhere that you can. It's about valuing yourself as well and having respect for the person who you are instead of hiding it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Let's speak a little bit about the network. When you say there's a need for people professionals, what is that? There's loads of networks you can join. There's loads of people networks you can join. America, UK. And I'm part of a great network, but it's mainly USA focused. And I've done a lot of speaking at their conferences. I've hosted a lot of roundtables, but we all have very different different challenges and so that happened and I thought right there's a need for this here there's a need for this individual space for the challenges that we have here we've had an incredible labor law change which is so positive for the region but some people are struggling with how to implement that but then unfortunately naturally for people professionals we don't like to talk I obviously do but I mean talk to one another because we like to share we can't share sorry sorry can't share because we've always been like this is confidential I can't share this if I share this with you you might find out I'm doing it 
And I truly believe if we'd have had this network before COVID, I think COVID could have been handled. I've, I've heard some horror stories about how it was handled in businesses and some people have been severely impacted by that. I personally think we did a great job, but that's my view of what I did and what my team did and what the leadership team did and how we provided for people. But so if that had been in place, we could have had conversations and everybody could have talked because we could zoomed each other and said, what are you doing? How are you coping with this? How, what policies are you putting in place? You know, we had lots of people stuck outside the country. People couldn't get back in, you know, and it, so it wasn't like we could still do, just do the job. So lots of different things. So that was one of the reasons why we set up a GTC regional network and understanding what people's strengths are within the network. So it was, um, it actually happened. It all came about because I had an anxiety attack before I went on stage. I hadn't spoken for a long time in public and I was a bit panicky. And I spoke to a lovely lady called Marie, who's um, now at Hilton here in the Middle East. And I said, I have got nobody to call. I called my best friend. She was like, you'll be fine. You've got this. Call my husband. He was like, pull yourself together. And Marie was like, no, come on, we can do this. You know, we're on stage together. It's going to be okay. And I'd never met her before. Um, and she was like, no, it's, and I was like, this is what we need. This is, we need this. So we got together. There are four of the founders, um, five, sorry, founders in the group. And we decided that we wanted to do this. We wanted to put the effort and have an impact across this region on people professionals and give them the opportunity to talk and share. We launched last June. We've got over 300 members now. So there obviously was a need for it. it there was a, a big need. And those members range from CRHOs, so chief people officers, to learning and development specialists, compensation benefits specialists, anybody that's in the people space. So, and what we're trying to do with this network is there is a, still a view for some businesses that HR is admin. And there is an element of admin work to some of the stuff we do. But we step away from that. We can add such value as HR. Most companies wouldn't have survived COVID without their HR teams. I think we should all be. And I'm going to shout that from the rooftops. Um, so we we had to step up then. And, and we did. And I think that the group of those people in this region, we're looking to change the perception that we are just admin people. We are now sitting on boards. There are spaces for us. People are like, I want to talk to CRHR. I want their opinion. It's not, we're not just here to advise on law and give you, well, this is what you do in labor law. It's this is the best practice. This is the way to do it. How can we find out better ways of doing it? And that's what the network is doing. So it's mentoring, it's coaching, it's coming together for events. We've hosted so many events now and we've got an amazing year lined up. And we just want to make sure that everybody in that space has that area that they can a talk, share knowledge um, and, and come together to celebrate the great jobs we're all doing. If somebody was to join that network, where can they find it? They can find it on LinkedIn, the Evolved People Network, or they can email us at hello at evolvedpeoplenetwork.com. Perfect. And we will put that link into the show notes as Thank well. Thank you. <laughs> so I will also put obviously the link to your LinkedIn profile so that people can get in touch with you if they want to. Thank you very much. This was another episode of Empowering Female Leaders. What are the questions and topics in female leadership that you are interested in? Let me know in the comments on YouTube and Instagram or join our LinkedIn group. I am excited to hear from you. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe for new talks with inspiring women from all around the globe. Thank you for listening.